Let me pray for us and we will begin. Father, I thank you that you have given us technology that we can use. I thank you that even though we may be separated and that there's all sorts of stuff going on in our world, we can still connect. We can still come together. We can still hear your word. We can still pray for each other. We can still um, take out time in our lives to be with you and to be with one another, even digitally. God, I, I ask uh, just right now that you would continue to give ongoing wisdom to the leaders of our country, of our city, of our state, that they would know how to handle this a pandemic that we find ourselves in. And God, I also ask that you would give wisdom to scientists and researchers, that there would be a vaccine that's created, that you would allow this disease to stop. And I also ask, Father, that you would um, that you would use this as, as bad as it is and as tragic as it is. I pray that you would use what is evil and what is intended for bad, but you would use it for good in all of our lives. And we use, ask even, God, that you would use it to bless your uh, church, that it would grow us closer to you and closer to each other. So pray this. And, and I also, Father, pray that even right now as, you, as we uh, begin in, in, um, in your word, that you would help me to preach to a camera and that you would help us all to listen to a screen. And so I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, one thing I forgot to say for announcements is at the end of the sermon in the Q&A, we're also going to take communion and that's not like a new vr 3d technology we have it is uh, just encourage you to um get a glass of juice or a glass of wine and some bread or cracker and and we'll just do that uh together so um just get that ready uh, if if you if you would like okay um and um just so you know i can't see you i'm, I'm sure you know that but I, so you, you're free to be in your pajamas or, or whatever else i can't see you but you can see me so we are continuing in Luke. We are going to be in Luke chapter 6. There's a little Bible uh, tab on your screen that you can look at or you can grab your Bible and uh, have it on your lap. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 6 today. And uh, this will finish out chapter 6. And really what we're going to talk about today is what is your vision of the good life? And that can be all sorts of things that we think about, but what is your vision of the good life or happiness or what's your vision of, of being blessed? And there's all sorts of things that we think about when we think about that language of I'm blessed or the, the good life or happiness. There's all sorts of things that we think about and maybe right now in your life you have it. Maybe whatever your vision of the good life is, you say, this is it. And maybe even today, this is it. I'm at home in my pajamas and I'm at church. This is the good life. Or maybe it's just where you are with your job, with your family, with your marriage, with, with moving to Denver, whatever it might be. I, I don't know what your vision of the good life is, but you might have it. Or you may be disappointed. You may look at your life and say some of it's there, some of it's not there, but feel that it's not quite where you want it to be. But either way, whether you have it, you're working towards it, you don't have it and you're disappointed, we need to understand really what God's vision of the good life is. We want to be able to get it right because whatever our vision of the good life, whatever our vision of happiness, whatever our vision of what it means to be blessed, whatever that vision is, our life will revolve around that to some degree. And if you think about even just kind of goals that you've had in your life that are probably a part of the good life in some way, if you've had goals to say, I want to get married, then a lot of your life at some points revolves around that. You make choices to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start hanging out in these places to meet people. I'm going to 
then start dating. I'm going to maybe sometimes people when they're trying to move towards a relationship, I'm going to really get fit. And then usually that goes away afterwards. And at least it did for me. And then uh, you, you, you have certain things that you're working towards. And by the way, for me, I met myself, not my wife. Um, and you have certain things that you're saying, I'm working towards this and life often revolves around it. Or maybe it's buying a house. And so you say, that's a part of my vision of the good life. So you start to say, okay, I'm going to save money. And that means I'm not going to do these things. And it means we're going to, you know, pinch pennies on, on this stuff. And it means we're going to move to this area. And it means we're going to, you, you start to revolve pieces of your life around whatever the good life is or whatever that picture of happiness or blessedness is. And I'm saying we need to get that right. Because a lot of our life will revolve around that. And what we're going to look at now in Luke is that Jesus is starting a new community. He's starting a new community of people, really a new nation, and not in the physical, geopolitical sense, but in the sense of he is going to pick 12 people. And in the Old Testament, there was 12 tribes of Israel that represented the whole nation. And he picks 12 disciples or apostles and he is really starting a new nation, a new community. And as he does that, he wants, at the very beginning when he picks them, he wants at the very heart them to have a vision of what the good life is. He wants them to have a vision of what happiness is. He wants them to have a vision of what it means to be blessed and experience all that God desires for us. So Jesus is going to start a new community and put at the heart of it, in the very center, the DNA, a vision of the good life. And these people that he calls also, we'll look at it in a second, but that he calls them not just disciples, a disciple is a learner, a follower, but he calls them apostles. And the word apostle is a word that means to be a messenger or to be sent. And what that even tells us for today is that the intention wasn't just to pick these 12 people and give them a vision of the good life, but it was to pick them as the starting of a new nation all the way down to us because their job description, their role, their identity was to be messengers, which means the message of what Jesus wanted was to continue all the way to his people today. So their, the vision of the good life that Jesus gives to them is the same vision of the good life that he would give to us. So what is it? What is the vision of the good life? What is happiness? Where is that found? What do we need to have at the core of our church, of our lives, to experience what Jesus says the vision of the good life is. So let's read this. We'll read the whole section and then we'll come back through it. So 612, it says, during those days, he went, Jesus, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. And again, this isn't a sermon on prayer, but, but it's interesting that over and over again, Jesus knows the source of his power, the source of his strength comes with his time alone with his father. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples. That's a large group of people. And he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot. Judas, the son of James, sorry for that guy because he's next to the next guy, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. After coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. So he's preaching to his disciples, well, he's preaching to his apostles, 
his disciples, and then there's a large crowd that are witnessing and, and listening into these things. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Then, looking up at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. What's the vision of the good life? Let's start with this. Where do we often think that happiness is found? Where do we often think the vision of the good life is found? Where do we often think that blessing is found? And we look at the part where Jesus gives the woes, where he says, woe to you who are rich and woe to you. And really, that's often where we actually think the good life is. If you look at that list and honestly think about it, rich, full, laughing, everybody speaking well of you. I mean, I want that. You want that. I mean, who doesn't want to say, man, I really wish I'm full and rich and everybody speaks well of me. It's crazy. I always get messages in my inbox and everyone always tweets me great things and likes all my posts and everyone speaks well of me and I'm comfortable and, and I'm laughing all the time. Like, who doesn't want that life? That's where we often think it is found. Let me just go through these even just one by one. If you think about riches, riches, Jesus says, woe to those, for, uh, woe uh, to you who are rich. We spend our life working hard. Many of you have worked very hard to get to where you are in your career and, and you want to have wealth. You probably don't go around saying, I want to be rich, but you want to have wealth. We want to have wealth. I was at Corvus Coffee Shop the other day and I was uh, trying to work on my sermon, but I was listening to a meeting that was taking place between two people and this guy was talking about this Airbnb property and this investment property he has and this other Airbnb and this thing and that thing and all sorts of things I did not understand at all. He was talking to, I think, an accountant because he was trying to figure out loopholes and make sure his liabilities and, and his exemptions and this stuff and that stuff. And, and as I was listening, a part of me was like, I need to put this sermon aside and just go, dude, tell me all your stuff. You sound like you know it. Help me. I want to make the money that you're making because he knew all this stuff and all these things. And we often, whatever it is, whether it's eavesdropping on conversations or just in our careers, we want to work hard, to get money, to have wealth. And what Jesus says is, Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. What if you work hard and get everything it is that you ever wanted, get all the wealth, get all the money that you ever wanted? You have the 401k, and you've got the investments and the savings, and you've got the emergency accounts, and you've got the checking account, everything you ever wanted. Jesus says, yeah, you got it. You have received it, but that's it. You've received your comfort for now, and that's everything. And it doesn't go with you into the next life, and it isn't ultimate. And then the next one, Jesus says, Woe to you who are now full, 
for you will be hungry. And what is full? Full, can you can think about that physically, like you've eaten and you're full, but really it's speaking broader than that to say that you are comfortable, that life is good. You know, when you eat a meal and you sit down and you eat and, and, you're, and you feel full, not the bad kind of full where you're like, oh gosh, but the full that you're just, ah, man, that was a good meal. And most of our lives, we're trying to get to that place, to be comfortable, to have our homes set up in a place, to have our budgets set up in a place, to have our time set up in a place, to have our material things set up in a place where we go, ah, I'm comfortable now. And Jesus says, you will be hungry, which is to say you might have it all now. You might be totally satisfied and feel totally good now. But what that often has the effect of doing is creating a spiritual apathy, which means that we, the more that our life fills up with other things, the more that we just go, man, I think I'm good. Maybe I don't need God as much. And I don't mean that you necessarily say I don't need God. But when our lives are full of other things, we, it has the effect of us going, I don't know if I really feel a need for God. And Jesus says that you will be hungry, meaning if you gorge yourself on everything that is in this world, you will still feel a hunger. You'll still feel a need that none of the other things in this life are able to fill. And if we spend our time trying to get as comfortable as possible and trying to fill our life, we will often feel this pain somewhere where we're saying, yeah, but things aren't quite satisfying. And we think maybe I just need this thing. And maybe I just need to go to this place. And maybe I just need to travel to this thing. And maybe I just, and we will be hungry still. And then Jesus says, woe to those of you who laugh, who are now laughing for you will mourn and weep. And Jesus isn't against laughing in general. It's not that he goes into parties and tells everybody, be quiet, stop those jokes. Everyone have a, a frown on your face. That, that's not what Jesus is. But it's a superficiality. It's a carefree. Man, life is all good and not really concerned about anything. Maybe if, even if you think about laughter, it can just be that nothing is taken seriously. That there's constant need for entertainment. I mean, isn't this really in a lot of ways our culture? That we're constantly looking to be entertained? We're constantly looking to just not think about the, the serious things in our life or even in the world. We just want to fill it with fun and fill it with uh, diversion and pleasure and, and all these things and Netflix and whatever. We want to just fill our minds. And Jesus says, if you're constantly focused on laughter and entertainment and just uh, kind of pushing out all the seriousness of stuff out of your mind, there's going to come a day that you're going to weep. There's going to come a day that you are going to mourn. Maybe even today our country is experiencing some of this, where we are so focused on pleasure and entertainment and all these things, and now all of a sudden people are going, but things are out of my control, and there's mourning, and there's weeping, and I haven't been prepared for this. And then the, the last one is he says, Woe to you when all people speak well of you. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, and yet we want to be liked. I don't know if you were popular as a kid in high school. I don't know if you think you were popular or if other people thought you were popular. Really, there's a difference. I don't know kind of how you felt in high school or college or even now at work. If, if you're somebody that people just like, and that's kind of always how it's been, or maybe it's not, but it's something you're always trying to get, always trying to be in a place where people like you and think well of you. 
Whether, what, whatever reason that is, it can be your looks, it can be your intellect, it can be your uh, just quality as a human being, your personality, whatever it is, we are often wanting so badly for people to like us, co-workers and friends, and often what this leads to is compromise. Often what it leads to is not wanting to offend anybody, and so we never have courage. Often what it leads to, in some way, is a life that is actually disconnected from Jesus. Because if we want to always be liked, that is impossible if we're going to follow Jesus. Which is what he says. He says, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. Meaning there was people that would always just give these messages saying they're from God. Give these messages and say, yes, God loves you. Yes, everything's going to go fine. Yes, there's nothing to worry about. Yes, and people loved them. But see, if we actually want to align ourselves with God, at some point, that is going to make a break with some people. I'm not saying we should be unnecessarily offensive, but if our main goal, our main pursuit, our main vision of the good life, of happiness, is that people speak well of me, that's going to have to lead to some, in some way, Jesus and you being disconnected. All of these things are the norm. All of these things are our default, right? Like, I, I, I don't want you to feel, if you're rich, if you're full, if you're laughing, if you're liked, that you're necessarily in sin. These are the norm of what we want. They're our default position that we say, I want those things. But if that's your vision, if any of us, we say, my vision of the good life is that, and that's it. That's not what Jesus says his vision is. And so then there is um, inevitably a value challenge that happens, where if our values and our vision of the good life is to be like, to be rich, to be full, to be laughing and entertained, and Jesus says, that's actually dangerous, there's going to be a value clash that takes place. And Jesus sees. He sees this. He sees now in our lives that our hearts can get caught up in this. He sees that our hearts get caught up in this. And what Jesus is saying is he doesn't want that pain for us. See, in the moment when you're rich and in the moment when you're full and in the moment when you're laughing, in the moment when people speak well of you, it feels great. But that word that Jesus uses, the woe word, there's a scholar named Philip Ryken, and he says the Greek word for woe, Uway is more a word of lamentation than of condemnation. It's an expression of regret and compassion, which means Jesus sees if our lives are pursuing riches and comfort and entertainment and being liked. And he says, I don't want that for you because he knows where it will lead. He knows that eventually we'll feel empty. He knows that our lives pursuing riches will get all the comfort we want then, but that'll be it. He knows that we may be liked by everyone, but we're really compromising what's ultimate. He knows that we may be laughing and, and full of fun and diversion, and yet we're not, we're not prepared for sorrow and the death and pain that this world has. Jesus looks and says, I know that this is your heart's tendency. And whoa, whoa, don't go in that direction. He wants more for us. Really, the call to say whoa is a call to say, I want more for you. So where does Jesus say that happiness is found? Where can it be found? And it's not in those conditions that we just looked at. It's not in the things that we often pursue. Jesus gives us a different list, an opposite list. He says that it's found in being poor and in mourning and in 
and in uh, when people actually hate you for the sake of Jesus and in being hungry. But but let me let me look at this list because there's different ways that and I don't know have you maybe you've kind of studied this before, or been taught this before, or heard sermons on this before. And there's different ways that kind of people look at, at what are called the beatitudes or the blessings that Jesus gives. There's different ways that people look at that. And I want to I, I don't know kind of how you have taken it before, but I want to present it in this way. That when Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor, or blessed are you who uh, weep, he is not saying that there's something in that condition itself, in that condition inherently, that makes it virtuous. He's not saying it's better to be poor than it is to be rich, or it's better to be weeping than it is to be laughing. He's not saying that. He's not saying that these are things that we should strive to have. Also, I don't believe that Jesus is saying, and there's some people that think this, um, this is just not in my study where, where I think uh, Jesus is teaching. Some people think that those are spiritual things. So it's not poor in the sense of actual poverty, but it means a spiritual poorness, a spiritual poverty that is humble. And it's not hunger in the sense of a, an actual physical hunger that's taking place, but it's a, a spiritual hunger, the people that hunger after God. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think that what Jesus is saying is what he literally is saying. And if you imagine Jesus and all of these crowds, like it said, kind of pressing in on him and people with diseases and people that are sick and people that are oppressed by demons and they're all kind of pushing in, in that context, as Jesus has just healed people and as Jesus has just loved people and served people and they're coming to him, there Jesus looks at them. People that are poor, people that are hungry, people that are crying. People that his disciples are, uh, that, that maybe have been rejected or are starting to be rejected and people are not speaking well of them anymore. And Jesus says this. It's very important for us of where we find the good life. I think he's looking at all of these groups of people and saying, it's available to you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what it is that you're going through right now. It is the, the, the kingdom of God, God's blessing, God's love, God's happiness, the good life, it's offered to you. And so he goes through these groups and he says, blessed are you who are poor. You have nothing. And maybe some of you feel like that. You have nothing. Maybe all you have is an internet connection and able to listen to this. And we fear sometimes. I don't know if that's you or not, but what Jesus says is the kingdom of God is yours. You may be a pauper on this earth, but you are a prince with God. You may have nothing here, but the kingdom of God, which means God's rule. It doesn't just mean heaven. It means God's rule, God's reign, God's love and his blessing. You have that. And then he says, blessed are you who are hungry. And think about the, the physical pain of that, or you think about uh, not spiritualizing it, but just the, the hunger in life of wanting more and not having it. There's things in life that you may be hungry for, that you say, man, I, I feel empty in these things. And you want more. And Jesus says, blessed are you who are now hungry because you will be filled. Which means this, it means that one day, even if life is not what you thought it was going to be now, even if life, even if you are lacking and feeling the pain of not being filled with what you wanted now, one day you will be filled. One day connected to Jesus, you will be filled. And we can experience some of that now, his joy and his goodness. But he is saying one day, you're hungry now, but one day you will be filled. One day you will have everything that God has 
to offer. And then he says to those that weep, blessed are you who weep now because you will laugh. And times in life are often filled with weeping. And maybe that's been some of you this week. I know even in our family, there's weddings that have been canceled and there's birthday parties that have been canceled and there's, and there's travel plans that have been canceled and we have neighbors that were on sabbatical trip of a lifetime that have been canceled. And, and maybe even this week, with the coronavirus and sickness and, and just things that have happened, you have experienced weeping. You've experienced mourning. You've experienced disappointment. You've experienced loss. Maybe it's not related to this. It's just related in the last year, I even think of in our church, where there's been death and there's been tragedy and there's been job loss and there's been uh, just home issues and flooding and all sorts of things. Maybe you weep and you mourn. And Jesus says, Blessed are you, which means God's blessing comes to you and you can experience even now his goodness. And it means that one day, blessed are you who weep and mourn now because you will laugh, which means this isn't the end of the story. The great teaching of the Bible is that one day Jesus comes and restores everything and makes all things new. He makes all relationships new. He makes all broken physical things new. He makes all sickness come undone and be new. He makes all things new. This is the good news for those of us that weep, that are disappointed, that have experienced pain. Is that, is that you? Is that you today? Is that you this year? Is that you this month? Jesus says it's not the end. You will laugh. And then finally, he says, blessed are you when, when people hate you. Listen, listen to, I mean, this does not sound blessed. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil. Not just they slander you as evil, they slander your name, meaning your reputation and all that you are. They, they just think of you horribly. It says, blessed are you when that happens because of the Son of Man, a title for Jesus. Blessed are you when they do that because of me. Rejoice in that day. Rejoice? How can I rejoice when everyone's excluding me, insulting me, hating me? Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. I haven't leapt for joy. I don't know if I've ever leapt for joy. But when everyone's hating you and excluding you and insulting you and slandering you, leap for joy. That would probably really surprise people if they did that and you actually just jumped. Take note. Your reward is great in heaven. For this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. Not the false prophets, but the genuine prophets. And what he is saying is when you are connected to me, even if people are hating you and excluding you, they are rejecting you, but you know in that moment that you have my acceptance. You know in that moment that you are part of a long lineage of people that have been rejected because they were faithful to God. So I don't know where you find yourself. If you are poor, hungry, life's not what you wanted it to be. Life is disappointed and you're weeping. Life is sad and you're in pain. There's rejected, rejection because of Jesus. Maybe you've felt this at work or even in your family or your friends. I don't, I don't know where, where you find yourself, but where Jesus says happiness is found or the good life is found is not in your circumstances, but connected to him. See, you can be poor, you can be hungry, you can be weeping, and you can be rejected but if you are connected to him, not your circumstances that matter, but when you are connected to him, that is the vision of the good life. Jesus is saying you can experience blessing now and in the future later when you're connected 
to me. And here's what this means. It means you will go through these things at some point. At some point you may experience poverty. At some point you may experience hunger of life not being filled of what you want. You will experience weeping. You will experience rejection if you're connected to Jesus. You will go through these things, but they don't have to control you. They don't have to control you. Because the vision of the good life is if you have Jesus, then these things can come at you. These conditions can take place. These circumstances can happen, but you're not enslaved to them. They don't have to be what's ultimate. Let me give you an example. I was talking to someone recently who had to have a hard conversation at work. And maybe that could have led to rejection. Maybe that could have led to losing a job. But because they know the vision of the good life is me connected to Jesus, they were willing to say something. They were willing to step out and have a hard conversation, risking rejection, risking financial loss, because that doesn't control them. But if you're controlled by being full, you're controlled by being entertained, you're controlled by riches, you're controlled by being liked, you can never do that. But see, if, if you know that the vision of the good life is you connected to Jesus, what that enables you to do is not be controlled by what you have or what you don't have. Because you know you have blessing now and later through him. It gives you a deep power. It gives you a deep power if you're uncomfortable now or not liked now. So we often think the vision of the good life is found in those things. And Jesus says, no, the vision of the good life is found in me, connected to me. So last thing is this. What does this mean for how we live? What does this mean for, for you and me? If, if Jesus is building a new community and saying, this is the vision of the good life that I want at the core, at the heart, at the very center of my new community, both now and through the apostles forever, what does that mean for how we live? I'm going to give you two things. The first is this. Since Jesus' values are very different from what ours are, Jesus' values are different, here's what it means. We can't look down on people that are poor, that are hungry, that are weeping, and that are rejected. If Jesus is actually saying at the core, at the heart of his community, is a place where it's not defined by the, the, the rich and the laughing, and, and it's not even defined by this, but him, it means we can't look down on people that are experiencing the things Jesus actually says, you're blessed and I want you, and, and the kingdom of God is for you. We can't look down on those people. Sometimes we look down because um, we, we think that maybe God's not blessing those people. And sometimes we look down because just of our own self-righteousness. We think that, ah, the people that weep, you need to be strong. Ah, the people that are poor, you need to work hard. Ah, the people that are hungry, you need to, and, and whatever. And I'm not saying there's no unrighteousness or sin that can lead to any circumstance, but I am saying that Jesus' posture was to look out at crowds pressing in on him and saying, the kingdom of God is for you. I know you're weeping now, but you can laugh. I know that you're hungry now, but you will be filled. So what it means for us and how we live is that we cannot have the world's values, which means we must move towards those in these conditions, not away. And then secondly, it means this, we have to fight to center ourselves on Jesus. Whether that's because you are tempted with the things that Jesus actually says, whoa, maybe you're tempted towards those things and you have to fight to center yourself on Jesus Instead of saying, yes, life is about wealth, life is about entertainment, life is about being life. life, life is about comfort and being full. You have to fight to come back and say, is my vision of the good life off? Is it Jesus or is it those things? Fight to come back 
And I guarantee you, whatever the center of your life is, leads to everything revolving around that. It leads to choices. It leads to decisions. I don't know where that is for you right now, but is the vision of the good life connected to Jesus? Or is it wealth, comfort, laughing, being liked, fight to come back to have it be Jesus? Or maybe it's not so much the woes that you need to think about. Maybe it's those conditions. Maybe you feel poor, hungry, weeping and mourning, rejected for you also. Fight to have the vision of the good life be centered on Jesus. When you are tempted towards what Jesus says are woes, or when you are discouraged because your condition is, is actually the things that the world doesn't value and that are painful, don't let what you see control you. Don't let what is here control you. By faith, trust in Jesus. By faith, say, the good life is found with him today and also in the future. We want happiness. We want the good life. How? Jesus says it's found not in these things, but in him. And only here, in Jesus, can you endure whatever it is you're going through now and experience an ultimate joy. What if we were shaped by these values, individually and as a community? What if it didn't control us needing wealth and entertainment and comfort? What if, that, what if it didn't control us when our life didn't go the way we wanted, but we had blessing and goodness happiness because we had him and we knew that no matter what even happens today we have him today and we have him in the future fully so how do we how do we experience all of this how do we how do we get this it's only through him and, and here's the last thought i want to leave you with how was it that jesus was able to look at us and say you're blessed how is it that jesus was able to look at the poor and say the kingdom of god will be yours to so look at the weeping and say you will laugh how how could he do that how could he know that you know why? Because Jesus himself became poor. Jesus himself became hungry. Jesus himself wept. Jesus himself was rejected for you, for me. He was willing to go against everything that the world values and experience all of the pain of this world so that he could bring blessing to you and me. So that is the end of the sermon. We'll take communion in a moment to even... Um, just be able to remember that Jesus' body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us so that he could bring God's blessing now and forever into our life. But before that, I want to see if anyone has any questions. So um, if you have a question about anything we kind of just talked about, not like what's the square root of 3,789 or anything like that, but if you have a question about something we talked about, just go ahead and put it in the comments and I will answer it. And if there's no questions, we'll uh, just go into communion and I'll pray for us. And we'll be done. So can you hear me? Yeah. Just so you know, there's a slight delay on the live feed. So I am currently looking at your questions, but you'll have to wait just a second.
Okay, I don't think there's any questions. I know there's a little bit of a delay here, so maybe it's just a delay. Um, I can go on later in the comments and answer any questions if there was any. I was going to try to do it like this. Um, but it doesn't look like there's any questions, so we'll go ahead and stop the question time. Um, and what I want to do is just take communion with you. And, and I'd also love if you could, after communion, if you have prayer, you can ask for prayer and I will pray for you. Um, and we, we want to be there for you. We want to love you. We want to care for you. And so if you've got a prayer request, there's a prayer request function, but you can also just put it in the comments and, and we will pray for you. But um, if you've got if you got some juice, this is wine. I'm not going to drink this whole thing right now. I'll save it for later. Um, if you've got um, some wine or uh, we've got, I've got gluten-free crackers here, um, when we take communion, we just remember Jesus' blood was shed for us. His body was broken for us. And in the passage that we looked at here in this context, why? Why do you do that? Why do you go to the cross? It's to bring God's goodness and his blessing to us. So we can experience all, not, not this world's vision of the good life, but God's vision of the good life. And so if you've got your um, elements with you, go ahead and um, you can take a drink or a dip or however you want to do it. This is sanitary, so you don't have to worry about sharing it with someone else. Um, and so I'm just going to take this myself, and then I'm going to pray, and then we will close. Father, thank you for your love and your goodness. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you that what the world values is not what you value. And that no matter where we are in life, no matter what we're experiencing in life, we have you. We have you today, and we have you in the future. And I pray you would bring that goodness in a deeper way into our lives, and we would feel it and experience it. Let us experience your blessing, your love. Lord, I pray for our world, again, just as everyone is going through this, not just the world out there, but even the people listening right now. God, even the people right now that are listening, that maybe are weeping and hungry and poor, and people that are rejected, Lord, let them experience your blessing, Jesus. Even now, let them know the goodness of your blessing and that you are with them, that you are for them, that you invite them, that you see them, that you know them. In your name, Jesus.